0: It's time for Twit. We go to France for the news from the EG8 summit with Patrick Béja. Om Malik talks about the uh, stock market and whether we're in a tech bubble. And Amber MacArthur's here with advice for power friending. It's all coming up next on Twit. Netcasts you love
1: from people you trust.
2: This, this is Twit. Is Twit.
0: Audio bandwidth for This Week in Tech is provided by Winamp for Android. The ultimate media player for your desktop and Android device. Featuring wireless sync. Download it free at winamp.com android. Video bandwidth for TWIT is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is TWIT, This Week in Tech. Episode 303, recorded May 29th, 2011. Zuck. It's Zuck. This Week in Tech is brought to you by GoToMeeting. Meet easily with colleagues, even when traveling or working remotely. For your free 30-day trial, visit GoToMeeting.com, promo code TWIT, and by Audible.com. Sign up for the Platinum Plan and get two free books. Go to Audible.com slash TWIT2, and don't forget to follow Audible on Twitter, user ID audible underscore com. And by Ford. And the 100% reinvented 2011 Ford Explorer. With room for seven passengers, best in class V6 highway fuel economy, and available sync with my Ford Touch, the 2011 Ford Explorer is perfect for your adventures with the family. For more information and to participate in the Mostly Photo Adventure Awards, visit MostlyPhotoAdventures.com. It's time for a Twit This Week in Tech, the show that covers the. Uh, tech news from the week gone by and there was a whole heck of a lot of it because it's a Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S. of A. We have decided to put together a practically international panel. (laughs) We almost got 100% international, but that's okay. We'll start with Canada. Amber MacArthur is here. I don't have to introduce Amber MacArthur. Everybody knows Amber from uh, the Social Hour, my host on uh, Call for Help many moons ago.
1: Hey, it's good to be on the show. It's been a while.
0: Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. And uh, she's calling from Toronto.
1: Yes, I am in Toronto. I'm home, and uh, it has surpassed patio weather. You'll be happy to hear, Leo. It's
0: nice and hot there, huh?
1: It's getting there, yeah. It's uh, definitely heating up.
0: You and Sarah are doing such a great job with the social hour, which is kind of just the rebranded version of uh, the show Inside the Net. Then it was Net at Night, and now it's the social hour. The Internet keeps changing, damn it.
1: I know, and we keep changing, but it's been, it's been a great uh, experience over the past 10 episodes, and she's so much fun to work with. She's Sarah's hilarious. great. She- yeah, she's And great. I
0: love the show. Sarah is, uh, you know, Sarah's role uh, at Twit is to keep me informed on in what the trends are. So I figure mm-hmm. she really should be doing a show about, you know, Internet trends.
1: Oh, yeah, she's perfect. And uh, we have lots of audience participation. And so uh, it's been really fun just uh, uh, doing some episodes with her and uh, lots to look forward to. And she's great at producing too, Leo. That's the nice is. thing. You know, she, she really understands how to package a show and kind of put it together with yeah. lots of different elements.
0: It's my it's my new favorite show, actually, on Twitter. If you have not seen it, The Social Hour, uh, you do the show on Mondays. And mm-hmm. uh, it's available for download almost immediately at twit.tv slash. I think we still have it on night, though, right? Twit.sleevee. Is it slash N A T N, Jammer B?
1: Uh, I'm not
0: is sure. It? Is it? It's SH? Are you talking about the website? twit.tv slash yeah. TSH. Twin.TV/tsh. Thank you. Also with us today, Mr. Om Malik, who's got money in his pocket. Not in my pocket. <laughs> I don't even have a pocket. <laughs> Om is uh, the guy behind GigaOM, which is a great site, and also has his own new newsletter, which is, how many, how many weeks old is this, Om says?
3: It's about eight weeks old. Okay.
0: Good. And is it a, it's a paid subscription?
3: No. It's, uh, I write it when I have something important to say. I don't write it if just to fill up space. So it's, it's free, and you sign up, and sometimes I write four times a week, sometimes I write twice a week, and sometimes I don't. It's only when I have something to say, that's when I, I go for it. I think that's a great idea. I think there's just too much noise on the Internet, yeah. so... What I'm trying to do is not add to it.
0: Doesn't it, it feel, I'm sure it does feel like uh, as a blogger, you've just got to post every day. And even if you have nothing important to say.
3: Well, like we have a great team. So they post interesting things every day. I try and refrain myself from doing, um, you know, just adding more noise to people's life.
0: Right, That's what right. I like. <laughs> I like it. But why don't you charge for it? I mean, you could probably charge a hundred bucks a month for this. No, but, you know, this is, I would have written this as a blog
3: post, and I would have given it away as free, so there's no difference in that. It just goes out as an email, and then later in the day, like about 12 hours later, it goes up as a blog post. So, I don't, you know, I don't think it, you know, you can charge for something you've been giving away for free for so long.
0: It's interesting. I guess newsletters are kind of back for a while, it seemed like nobody was doing it. Now everybody is. I, everybody I know wants to write a newsletter. There you go. Yep.
3: And it's... I am calling from People's Republic of California. Which
0: is much... <laughs> that's international. That's international. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to have you. Now, from France, we've got Patrick Beja. It's hey, it's nice to be back. Not Patrick on Twitter. That's
2: me. And he hosts yeah, a bunch I, of podcasts. I, I should really do what is doing but actually when I have something to say I just go on Twitter so it, it's not that smart I should start a uh, you're giving it away yeah yeah um, although Twitter
0: is only 140 characters and I find that um, actually a great relief
2: because posting a long blog post it takes me yeah, a long usually time. what I have to say is not that complicated right. the 140 characters is way enough right <laughs>
0: Um, We actually, uh, I'm glad Patrick's here because uh, one of our top stories is the EG8. The uh, G8 Summit is coming to France next week. Uh, All the leaders of the uh, major developed nations, the U.S., Canada, France, England, uh, Germany, and so forth. The G8 Summit. uh, The week before, President Sarkozy, who's not known for being a champion of the free Internet, uh, Through a little ga- little party for internet bigwigs, including Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Eric Schmidt of Google, uh, to uh, create a white paper, a position paper, to present to the g eight leaders uh, on how the internet should be r- regulated. Uh, the fear was I, I know Cory doctorow wrote i 'm not going to go because this is just get it, this is just an attempt to get us to kind of rubber stamp, something that I can't possibly agree with. Sarkozy's so notorious for his kind of uh, pro-business, anti-free internet stance. What, what, did, what did the EGA end up being like, Patrick? Um,
2: well, I guess it, it, it's difficult, difficult to explain because um, a lot of people were expecting it to be something that it wasn't meant to be. Um, I think uh, it, you have, okay. what you have to remember is we in the tech world know what we should be doing and what works and what doesn't work even from a technical standpoint let's set aside the ethical and moral implications uh, of regulating the internet but you have to remember that the governments do not know what the hell even that internet thing is so I I was one of the very few voices, I think, that thought this EG-8 was actually a good idea because it was the government's recognizing that maybe they didn't have all the answers and trying to include everyone in the conversation. And of course, at first, they're going to ask the people that they know and the people that they would go to anyway, who have no clue either, you know, the uh, music lobby and the movie lobby and intellectual property uh, rights holders. But it's a a willingness to open the conversation. And I think we have to be part of that conversation. And just look at how much voice, um, you know, Jeff got and J.P. Barlow got and a few others. And compare that to things like uh, ACTA and the the uh, Protect IP Act, which are right. complete horrors negotiated and, in and secret. So it's, it's starting the conversation, I think.
0: I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I was one of the people invited, thanks to Louis Clamer, uh and uh, couldn't go because of a fam- uh, family emergency. But um, I was really glad to see Jeff Jarvis of our uh, This Week in Google uh, show go. And he wrote a blog post before he left saying, I'm going to try to get... Uh, Sarkozy and others to essentially sign a Hippocratic oath for the internet that the that first and foremost government would do no harm. Jeff and I and many others I know John Perry Barlow believe that government should just keep its mitts off of the internet. That the pendulum has swung too far in the direction of rights holders, and uh, you know I th- I felt like yeah even if there's going to be some attempt to kind of whitewash what we say if we don't come to the table.
2: Then we've kind of lost our right to complain. So I was yeah. There, there, there's definitely part of that, and uh, it's it's. I mean, uh, there there's a lot of people who think there is there's bad intentions to begin with. Like, okay, we'll say that they were included, and we'll do what we want anyway. But right. that they could have done even without the eg 8 And and remember, this is related to the G8, which is if you want to talk to governments, there's no bigger uh, venue. Um, and also, I, I have to say, as much as I appreciate the intent behind the Hippocratic Oath, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between um, what we know. And, you know, you can't tell the government, first, do no harm to the Internet. They won't even understand what that is about. Well, it, didn't, it you know. sets
0: actually what Sarkozy's reaction was. Well, what do you mean? Of course, I'm not going to do any yeah. harm to the Internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't understand that the kinds of... Restrictions like the three strikes law they're talking about—they don't understand that that's perceived by many as harmful. Um, right. They say, "No, no, we're just protecting rights holders." You wouldn't want an internet where uh, it was uh, piracy was rampant and widespread. That's not good. Do no harm means preventing that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and Sarkozy was a little bit, you know, aghast. He ended up yeah. regaining his composure. After I thought he was quite yeah. yeah yeah no he, he he answered quite well in the end but yeah. at first he was like uh, 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 do you know what do you mean of <laughs> well, course uh, right 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 <laughs> uh,
0: I don't I don't do you, uh, uh Omer, do you have a thought about uh, this have you been did you follow the uh, EG8 summit
3: so I was also invited I refused to go for one basic reason which is that you know I I don't given a man has to Prove his intent by his actions, and not by empty words. So, when a politician invites me for something, I'm already on guard. Because, and and the French president has had a pretty bad track record yes. of being, you know, not. I'm not. I think you know. You made a comment earlier saying that anti-business and anti-internet. I think those are. To, I think you can be pro-business and, and pro-internet at the same time, and all you need is to think differently about what internet represents. So, from that perspective, I thought this was a bit of a bit of a sham. And and frankly, this is a group of people, a group of countries, which are trying to define the internet when the internet is going to be defined by 2.5 billion people who were not really represented in the GA. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. So I, it, it's actually arrogant and, and, you know, annoying to see French people trying to define <laughs> what the future of the Internet looks like. <laughs> I, if, if I need to know that, I think the dialogue has to be with people from, you know, the representatives of China, representatives of India, people from Brazil, Russia. That's and- a good point and and from people of the african
2: continent but but you have to start somewhere ohm i mean the com- that's that's incredibly disingenuous you you you're talking in in theory in theoretical yes ideally that should be the case but you know that's never going to be that way at least not in the short short term the people who are going to decide how things are handled are you know the US first and then France and the other countries in the G8 I I,
3: I disagree with you entirely on that because (laughs) if you look at how China and and Brazil and and India and Russia are evolving as Internet economies they're not taking their cue from the US. They're, they're doing their. That's an entirely different kind of an internet forming. They have a whole different you know, DNA when it comes to the internet. I think what we are talking about is, is two different internets. Because the, the, the internet, as we've known so far, has been very Western you know, influenced. But I think now it's beginning to change. And I what think that it? is what, Sorry. Sorry, Amber.
1: Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I just, you know, one thing that just comes to mind when we're talking about this is I wonder how a group of people who come together at a conference like this, which is, you know, kind of an international conference, can really talk about the fate of the internet when I view it as something that is really country-specific. And when I say that, I think of Canada, for instance, where there are people in this country who are fighting and have been fighting a long time with the government to make sure that the major telcos don't restrict bandwidth um, and and have plans that are based on bandwidth. And we're really fighting towards uh, eliminating those type of plans, so even though a group of people I think internationally who get together and talk about the future of the internet, I think that's a great thing. I really see this as something where you know country by country it's treated so differently
0: I guess I understand what you're saying though ohm that is that it's it's like um, a recasting of the white man 's burden that that these eight nations should decide something for the whole world is kind of foolish, but uh, and I agree, it wasn't ideal, but that's why I, wa- I wanted to go. At least you kind of have to. At some point, you have to start the conversation. It, would Would you prefer to see some other uh, conference?
3: Not a conference. I think the, the, I think the government actually has to keep its, you know, keep your mitts it off. Invo- yeah, exactly. And before they do that, they actually need to educate themselves and not have conferences. They need to sure. know. And I, I absolutely, you know, I see it oh, locally here in the U.S. We have, you know, uh, lawmakers who have, you know, some of them have not even used email, and they are trying to yeah. regulate the law. So, you know, it just is. You have to be. You ha- this is not a conversation which happens at an, you know, at a conference, which is basically in my. It was more to showcase, you know, uh, a, a certain a person as, as like a future leader. That's Sarkozy. Yeah.
2: Uh, so, well, th- there, is, there is some of this, definitely, and absolutely, I don't want to be naive and say that he wasn't, you know, trying to make something political out of it. But you, what you were saying is some people who don't have email are writing laws about the internet. That's exactly the issue. And I think this is their way of saying okay what we've been trying until now is not working so let's talk and let's have a conversation Uh, and i also think that we're talking about two different things when you're saying we should include all the you know china and brazil and these other countries that are indeed huge and that will matter a lot This is not exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking more about what uh, Amber was mentioning, which is net neutrality and restricting bandwidth and how to protect IP and very immediate issues that are threatening to break the internet from our rich countries' perspective. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget that ACTA, which is probably the single most uh, uh, destructive
0: uh, treaty uh, uh, with regards to the internet, is is really a a product of U.S. Uh, intellectual property rights companies, of of the movie companies, the record industry, uh, who influenced the World Intellectual Property Organization, the United Nations, WIPO, to create this. It was being sent from country to country without discussion, in secret, and had it not been uncovered by Michael Geist uh, in Toronto, uh, or actually I guess he's up in Waterloo. Ottawa. uh, Ottawa. And had it not been uncovered by Michael Geist, we may never have known that this was was, was going on. Um, that's, that's coming from us. So it seems not inappropriate for, uh, for the G8, uh, you know, for, for people like us to come and say, hey, stop it. But, but, and the thing
2: is... Sorry, go ahead, Patrick. Um, the thing is, to us, these things seem monst- monstrous and asinine uh, as they relate to the Internet and the way it functions. But these people who are deciding all of this don't even don't see it uh, don't understand it's like you know trying to explain what sight is to a blind person it's very difficult to make them understand what that is and why it is bad so that's why we need to go there and explain to them and shout at them partly you know in the way that jeff did mm-hmm. and, and tell them stop you're being you're being insane in this they don't see it that way oh what would you have preferred to see
3: well I- I would have preferred to have a long discourse on this, a long conversation, which is not, you know, not posturing in public, at least, right. or in one-on-one conversations with right. people who actually can make a difference, and not just a few people, but a more wider group. See, what is IP in one country is not IP That's right. in the country. <laughs> what is that in a bandwidth free band like unlimited bandwidth in one country is not necessarily the economics in another country so the web and the internet is changing itself and i think the bigger picture when you look at all this i think the big picture which we we frame things in 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 aspect of just certain specific issues Whereas one has to look at this big internet as a bigger change. It's like, what does it really mean? So the, the conversation should have been, if they wanted to talk about it, the, what is the reality of internet economy? How does it impact job creation? How does it impact our education system? How does it impact our retail businesses? So there is, those are the areas where government has a more, you know, tangible role to play they need to kind of come up with thought processes around what do taxes look like in the in an internet enabled economy right like we are not this is not 1995 this is 2010 2011 and our our economy is now driven by the network not the other way around previously the network was driven by the overall economy now the you know, it's it's an entirely different way of thinking about it. So, you know, just to talk about like you know certain intellectual property issues and th- those are talking about certain specific you know problems. There is a much bigger, wider change which is going on, and that's where government and you know lawmakers have a role to play. And I think that's one thing I didn't hear from this con- this this conference. So that was that's one thing I would love to
0: see.
1: Mm-hmm. I think... Well, th- uh, Go ahead, Amber. I was just going to say, just you know, speaking as a Canadian, I mean, I think on the positive side, I think you know, I really applaud uh, this actually happening because I think it opens up dialogue. And that's something we always fight for on the internet is we want to be heard. And uh, I know in Canada, for example, there is no way Stephen Harper, who is our prime minister, would ever invite a group of people who were technical to a meeting with him and his government. It would never happen in an open forum or an open environment. So in some ways, I think France is ahead of the game with that
0: whatever whatever sarkozy's agenda was
1: yes exactly and, and
2: and you also have to sorry i'm interrupting everyone the the delay is not kind to me um the, you also, the way i saw saw that event uh is a little bit of a of a networking event and it's to get people to know each other and maybe at this point the the people who are writing the laws are asking the the, the ip holders what they should do but maybe in six months or in a year, uh, they'll ask uh, Jeff Jarvis or J.P. Barlow, you know, they'll get to know them and, okay, maybe I'm having my rose-colored on. glasses on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how how could they even have known that these issues were issues? They live in a different well, world.
0: Well, that's the question, and I think that what I'm saying is they didn't care. They, they, it wasn't, they weren't even interested in that. Uh, this was This was a dog-and-pony show, And I have to say, I have a feeling that no matter what you say to Nicholas Sarkozy about this, you're not going to change his mind, Patrick.
2: Not his mind, but it's not like he is the one, you know, writing the laws. Well, it's interesting because President Obama did
0: not even want the Internet on the agenda at G8. Uh, And this was something that Sarkozy kind of bulldozed through. I think Obama quite reasonably thought this is probably not maybe I don't know maybe he even agrees with Ohm that this is not an appropriate conversation for uh, that particular group certainly he did not want to get in the business of regulating the internet that's such a thorny
2: subject, and there are bigger issues well bigger issues maybe but first of all if we don't talk about it we get acta second of all with that event if nothing else we got jeff in front of many cameras around the world yeah he'll never be and invited back i can guarantee you <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe i don't know but at least
0: the the press I was is now thrilled. interested in I mean, jeff really did exactly what uh, yeah. i was hoping he would do he did a great job and i kind of took the easy way out i did have a family emergency but it made it convenient for me to kind of avoid the conversation entirely i really was looking forward to going and, but but I was I was shaken by people like Corey and, and uh, Ohm's criticism of the event, and I do, I just don't know. I mean I, I feel on the one hand it's good to have these conversations. Look at all the conversation that's gone on because of this. I don't think you're going to educate the world leaders at a forum like this, but at least the conversation is is going on. I guess what you're saying I'm, Ohm, that it's a I guess what you're saying is that it's I- a it's a false premise so, that this could yeah. even be discussed at this like, kind of event?
3: Leo, you've been around long enough, just like me. When we had, the last time technology was hip and cool, all the politicians were all right. talking about poli- you know right. internet and new laws and new ways of thinking about it. And the minute economy you know, took a little nosedive and everybody just vanished into thin air. And I, I kind of, you know, maybe I'm a little cynical and skeptical, but I don't see, this needs a lot more thoughtful, uh, uh, you know, engagement than just a quick, you know, media show.
2: I agree. I agree. Oh, well, I, I agree on that too. But I guess my question is to both of you, what's the harm? You know, but worst case scenario, things don't change and we keep on the road to ACTA. Best case scenario, we get a little bit more publicity. What's the mm-hmm. harm, Mom? What's the harm of doing this? I,
3: I didn't say there was any harm in doing this, so I personally opted out of it. I didn't say you shouldn't go or Patrick shouldn't go. Right. I like, I, I I have a very, you know, I don't have, you know, rose-colored glasses in my, in, you know, so I don't wear
0: those. I believe. So, I have hope.
3: <laughs> I hope look, we can I, change this. I've, I've seen this movie before, so like how... And, and by
0: the way, I agree 100% with you that the Internet is good for business. That uh, the The real issue is that the... Uh, The the, the kind of existing stakeholders want an end to competition, want an end to a free internet because they got it and they want to hold on to it. And I include Google and Facebook and Apple and all the uh, current stakeholders in this. But really the future, and this is I guess the argument, is that a free and open internet is good for the future. It's good for businesses of the future. You don't get another Google unless you have a free and open internet. And that's how we make sure that we continue to progress and continue to innovate. Um, but I, and I would, I, I think that that's an important argument. I think that, in a, that the problem was that the people who were at this event were cur, for the most part, current stakeholders, uh, who had an interest in the status quo and that we really need what, who needed to be represented was my kids and our kids, kids, uh, the future, uh, who have an even bigger stake in the free and open internet. It's free, you know, Sarkozy talked about a civilized internet, which in kind of, Curiously, is exactly the phrase that the Chinese government uh, uses. Um, I don't think you can civilize the Internet. I think that's a, that's a mistake in even understanding what the Internet is.
3: I, it, clearly, that's my point. You know, that just says everything about the whole event. You know, right. civilized Internet. I mean, you know, that's presumptuous to say that Internet is not civilized. Just You know, there is parts of... Paris, where you can go, and they are not very civilized yes, either. That's true. Right? And, I mean, come on. It's like that just is. I, I think, you know, this is where there are a lot of people in France. I think I have a lot of admiration for people uh, who have been championing, you know, broadband and, you know, wireless internet net neutrality mm-hmm. in, in France. And, and yet, you know, Sarkozy and orange are so close and orange has not been the you know the friend of the internet so to speak right unless there was a company called free they would have not even offered to you know you know fiber and high speed internet access and web services to their customers and they could have just kept on going charging more money so so there is you know so if you're talking about a civilized internet let's just define what is Internet, according to you? I right. think, you know, I, I, I don't want to go into, like, a political discussion here, but this was a lot of, you know, for me personally, to other people, it may seem like a great thing. To me, it was nothing more than just a way to get cheap media points.
0: <laughs> and they did. Hey, Om, you're, you're, um, because your microphone is on your collar right there, it's rattling a little bit against your, your microphone oh, sorry. collar. I don't, I don't know exactly what we can do except uh, encase it in rubber or something. Do you guys
1: realize that if my internet service provider, Rogers, is listening right now, I may start getting cut off because Yeah, of the they don't like every <laughs> time we FYI. talk about
0: this stuff, Amber loses their bandwidth. Uh, I if don't know, I lose it's- my
1: bandwidth right now. It I only have Twit to blame. I have to
0: say Rogers is notoriously bad uh when it comes yeah. to uh to, to, the situation
1: uh, in Canada is really bad. You know, talking about uh, the government being in bed with big business, particularly with the telcos, uh, we don't necessarily have a very bright future here with the Internet. Um, there's a couple of options as far as providers. Uh, not a whole lot of conversation. However, we do have champions out there. Uh, Leo mentioned Michael Geist, and I recommend people check out his blog because he really is fighting for uh, more open Internet and uh, a real uh, great person to follow on that front.
0: I was reading uh, GigaOM today, uh, um, the great article about the Chattanooga uh, internet, the gigabit that the Chattanooga Power Company was providing. It was basically a civil uh, internet, not a civilized internet. <laughs> and uh, and how what a success that's been for Chattanooga. And more and more, I really think that this is the future of the internet is to have uh, municipalities provide the kind of infrastructure and then have a lot of competing uh, ISPs on top of it. And I think when I mention this, a lot of people think I'm nuts that there's no way that that's going to happen. But It's working in Chattanooga. That's a great article, Om, and uh, people should read that if they want to see what the potential is for an amazing success story. Mm -hmm. Gigabitty, and and good for business. Really good for business. We're going to take a break. Om Malik is here from GigaOm and his new newsletter, Om Says. More signal, less noise. Amber MacArthur, uh, my old buddy from the Social Hour and uh, CP24 and... uh, of course, the great command N. TV and Patrick Beja, not Patrick, on Twitter, who for some reason I don't fully understand, is a whole bunch of English language podcasts. Are you are you nuts? What are you nuts? <laughs> and is regular uh, makes a regular appearance on um, on uh, TNT. But uh, you got the Move-a-L- Alicious, the Phileas Club. One day
2: I'm going to yep. be on that show. I hope. I hope so. Yeah. It's kind of twi- it it's kind of an international uh,
0: twit is the idea behind that.
2: And- yeah, uh, a twit for for international news where we get people from uh, different countries and cultures. And uh, just this weekend we had uh, someone from Saudi Arabia, uh, Australia, France, and the U.S. discussing uh, Bin Laden's death and the uh, Dominique Strauss-Kahn scandal. Very interesting.
0: Yeah. That was, that was an interesting time. I think they, th- there was more attention paid to that, the scandal, uh, the IMF uh, chairman scandal, than there was to the EG8 summit, <laughs> or even the G8. You know, I misspoke because the G8's over. I didn't even, yeah. there was hardly any, there were EG8 got more ink than the G8. There was hardly anything. That was my impression, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough. Mark Zuckerberg well, you apparently know presented it's, it's, to the uh, G8, presented the the results of the EGA to the G8. I didn't see how that went. Mark likes to kill his own meat. We're going to talk about that in just a second. <laughs>
2: um, can, can I just conclude on that EG8 thing? Yes. Um, j- just to get us all uh, in agreement, at least to try, uh, I guess the, the thing that we should try to get is to put the internet issues and the uh, technology issues on the, uh, to, to have them become electoral issues. And, and maybe that event makes enough noise that maybe people outside of the tech community are going to start paying attention and respond in case they get that, uh, you know, uh, issues put forth to them.
0: Well, I think you make a good point. I, don't think, I think that's the real problem is that while we geeks know about these issues and care about them, nobody else does. And the, the mass uh, of voters have no idea that there's an issue about, uh, uh, about, you know, that there's a threat to a free and open Internet. They have no idea.
1: It's really hard to get them to care, though. I know I've been involved in sort of net neutrality campaigns in Canada for a long time, and it's really hard to get the mainstream population to care. I mean, as they, long as they long can't even understand email, it, they can't understand yeah. it. It's the and mo- Even net neutrality does a disservice to the whole. Uh, the whole reason, you know, people who care about it, net neutrality, the term is just awful, and it's hard to explain to right. you know the general media and the uh, mainstream population as well. That's, so that's, I fear that they just don't care. <laughs> that's the thing that
0: I worry about is this just mass apathy about the whole thing. And it's very hard to get people excited about it. The only people who care are geeks.
1: Yeah, there's you know. apathy about people, you know, in terms of voting for the leader of the country. So, I mean, when you right. try to get them to care about inter- <laughs> the Internet, I don't know where you're I left. They don't care about, because about because war in the Canada. Middle East, let alone yes. the Internet. We just had a federal election. And again, you know, one of the all-time, kind of close to an all-time low as far as voter turnout. And you, know, you try to get push the Internet in there. And, I mean, it's a whole right. world of apathy. Right.
0: Uh, we're gonna take a break come back with more with our esteemed panel our international panel for our Memorial Day show but before we go any further I'd like to talk a little bit about one of our esteemed sponsors the great folks at Citrix who do go to meeting go to meeting is an online meeting system that just you've probably tried these before it is the best it allows you to meet easily with colleagues clients even if you're traveling or moving around especially because they've got that great iPad app. Now you can go to meetings with your iPad, and I love that. I want you to try it right now. Mac or PC, if you visit gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the offer code TWIT, T-W-I-T, you get 30 days free. It allows you to you know, set up a meeting on the fly or you know, while you're on the phone with somebody saying, I want to show you this, here's a link, Or, ahead of time, it's got a great invitation system. It includes built-in free telephony, voice voice over internet, or telephone. So the, the, the conference bridge and everything is automatically set up. In fact, these days, uh, we use GoToMeeting even when we just want to do a teleconference because you never know. You might want to show the screen, and it makes it so easy to set it up, and, and we've already paid for it. It's built in. It's absolutely free. Go to click the Try It Free button, and use uh, TWIT as the offer code to give it a try. 128-bit SSL so it's secure. It works on Macs, PCs, and, yes, there's a great iPad application that's absolutely free. If you've got an Internet connection, you could be meeting in seconds Whether it's clients, whether it's colleagues, whether it's new prospects that you want to pitch, there's nothing better. Go to meeting.com. Use the offer code TWIT. We'll go from a heavy subject to a light subject, but it'll get us into the Facebook. And there's quite a bit to say about Facebook. I think this is just weird. According to fortune.cnn.com, Mark Zuckerberg now no longer eats anything he doesn't kill. Oh, you're probably a vegetarian, so this would be easy for you.
3: Oops, wait a minute. Let me turn you up. I mean,
0: say again. I'm sorry.
3: I said I don't kill my meat. Um, <laughs> simple reason, you know. There has been a reason. You know, we've evolved and just live in the cities and have. Let super- them do it. But don't you feel yeah. disconnected
0: from the? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. I. This is uh, so weird. I. He says the only meat I'm eating is from animals I've killed myself. I'm eating a lot healthier foods, and I've learned a lot about sustainable farming. You have to say that. I kind of admire the the the, the moral point of view that well, I'm not going to eat it unless I uh, unless I look it in the eyes <laughs> before sure. I. He says on his Facebook page, he says I just killed a pig and a goat. Um. He says he. It's just very strange. Every year, he fixates on a personal challenge. For instance, I didn't know this. In 2009, he wore a necktie every day.
1: He learned Chinese last year, too.
0: Last year he (laughs) learned Chinese. This year, he's killing pigs.
1: It's so strange. What I wonder about this whole story is, how does Mark Zuckerberg have time to go out and exactly. kill his own meat? I mean, when there are people out there, especially with young people, and there's all these privacy issues, and those issues with Facebook in general as far as people, you know, I don't know if it's jeopardizing kids' futures, but I know a lot of young people who are writing things on there who shouldn't be writing them. They don't understand the settings. The navigation is terrible. And all I kept thinking, when he actually has time to go out and kill a goat <laughs> and a pig, shouldn't he be focusing on privacy? Really? Very good point.
2: Oh, come on. Even presidents have time to, you know, relax and, I don't know, you kill think- a, a goat if they want to. Well, they, that- they have even more responsibilities.
1: To actually go out and, like, it takes a lot of time to go out and find a pig to kill in a suitable environment. Kill the pig, take it back, take it to a butcher. I mean, yeah. that's a long process. He started <laughs> with
0: it's horror. not like he's golfing. He started know? with, well, it's instead of golf. He started with a lobster. He started with sea creatures. He says the lobster was a difficult kill, at least emotionally. He cooked it live. Uh, he says the most interesting thing was how special it
2: felt to eat it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't go on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really easy to make fun of this, but honestly, why not? I mean, trying to live from it's, it's you, you never see where what you eat no, comes I, from. It, I do it's, admire it's, that. You know, yeah. it's, I, I, and also it's so fun to have a, a tech billionaire. Uh, be eccentric maybe he can be some sort of uh, howard hughes or something that's very i don't know
1: though i think i kind of liked it and pardon the pun uh, before zuckerberg came out of his shell and the reason i say that is because (laughs) (laughs) seriously you know the social network the movie movie before that movie came out you never heard anything about his personal life and now he's sharing pictures on facebook talking about what he eats his hobbies his pastimes i don't know i think well that's a good point he has come out of his
0: shell now now we know way too much about him
1: We know too much and uh, and he is very eccentric. And I applaud the idea of killing you on meat and everything. But I just think, you know, in his role, and uh, I just wonder personally just how he has time to do it. But uh, also, I just think, gosh, why, you know, what has prompted him to kind of, is he enjoying this celebrity a little He's bit? It's
0: just getting weirder and weirder. And now he said something to, a couple of days ago that actually got, got my dander up. Uh, he said, privacy anxiety. He said, you'll get over it. No big deal. What are you so worried about? He says, every time we... This was, he was speaking at the EG8, by the way. Um, uh, he says, we'll roll it out, and pretty often there'll be this backlash. And people will say, okay, we don't like this new thing. I, it's, I think, a real anxiety. People were really afraid of more people being able to be involved in the social network. This guy completely doesn't understand what we're upset about. People thought that, you know, it was just too much, right? They wanted to share stuff on the site, but they didn't want it to be so much in people's face. You know, now it's just part of the site that I think most people in a way would be like, what's going on? How can there be a Facebook without this? He says, it's just anxiety. You'll get over it. What are you so worried about? That's very self-serving. Here's a guy who's got a problem, if you ask me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, tell them to friend. You know, I have, I have family members who are teens who, you know, some of the things that they're sharing openly on Facebook, they don't understand how they to control understand. any of the settings. They're sharing their phone number, their home address. And I'm sure it's a parental issue as far as uh, monitoring what their kids are doing. But the parents and the teachers don't understand the privacy settings either within Facebook. So it's an issue where I think Facebook hasn't taken enough responsibility. And when he says things like that just kind of in stride, I mean, it just downplays what I think is a really serious issue about the future of kids and, and using these sites.
0: It really comes from maybe you know better, Om, because you you know this guy, but it really comes from to me a complete misunderstanding of how people feel about privacy. He's essentially saying, "No, you really want." He said he said this before. People's lives are better when we're connected. All of this stuff about privacy, you should let go of that. It does you know it just happens. It's very self-serving because his business rely. The more we allow him to share, the more money he makes. Um, but I think he genuinely believes that privacy is a dumb thing, except, I don't know, maybe when it comes to himself. I think the,
3: the uh, there's a one issue, and I, I'm not trying to defend uh, Mark here, but I do feel that the the next generation of users think very differently about privacy and how they use the Internet, whereas some of us who are a little older or even, you know, not as old as me, for instance, uh, who don't you are uncomfortable with with the you know the lack of privacy, so to speak, on many of these social networks, and I think that is we can't ignore that fact. I think that is a, a legitimate issue out there, and you know as far as you know the way I look at privacy is that you you kind of you kind of have to make choices on like what you say and what you don't say in public and I think that all of that is going to come from education and education you know that comes with using the internet not some go- you know our schools teaching or our parents telling us what to do as kids so I think that there is a, a the techno- the culture itself is lagging the technology
0: in that sense. Dana Boyd has said that. She, she studies young people and, you know, is, uh, uh, says that the young people treat privacy differently, that, that we believe that privacy is a default, so we're upset when it, when it fails us, and that young people understand that you have to, you actually have to say, I want it to be private, otherwise it's not. But she also says that privacy is maybe not the right phrase for this. She says we want control over our the flow of information, um, understanding where what we say goes and controlling who gets to see it. I guess that's 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 how
1: I understand privacy. But well, I think you also that term. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Patrick. Oh, no, please do. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that term digital reputation management is being tossed around everywhere yeah. and you know maybe that's a better phrase to use and as much as I, I agree with om in terms of people younger generation caring less about privacy the issue is they're still coming into a workforce where the people who are hiring them care about them sharing things online and they're getting scholarships where they're, they're getting these scholarships or winning these scholars, scholarships from schools that are looking at all their online profiles and you know it's going to be a while before that really young generation who doesn't care as much about privacy Privacy. It you know, gets into positions where it's it's going to equal things out.
0: I confess, I'm the I'm the wrong guy to talk about this because I, I apparently have no, uh, <laughs> I have no no <laughs> no no filter at all. I have no boundaries at all. So I you know, I don't I don't live very I live very publicly. But um, I, I see how people this upsets people, and I feel like that Facebook is a little disingenuous to you use your word uh, Patrick about uh, uh what they're up to um they act
2: as if well you'll you'll want this when in fact really who wants this is facebook well yeah that's that's true of course and i think you you all made good points in the fact that we we absolutely need to know more about what our privacy settings are i think people like maybe us just assume that anything we put out there on facebook be it private or public is should be considered okay if in case it ever leaks. Right. So we're sort of careful. I think I, I took a line from your book there, uh, Leo. Um, but to, just to be fair to poor Mark, who, are, who we're ganging up yeah, on uh, today, yeah. I, I think what, one thing he was mentioning with, where he has a case is the fact that whenever he puts up a new feature, and that's true of everything on the internet, whenever you, anything changes, people are going to be pissed off. And everyone was threatening to quit Facebook, I'm looking at you, Leo. Yeah, uh, I quit. You know, and yeah, you did, but you came back. And all these issues are not exactly. But uh, no, I mean, I'm not happy about it, but I just, you you have to. You can't be on. In fact, this is one of the things I hate about Facebook. Uh, Well, if you really, if you really. Okay, let's, let's put your case aside because it's sort of a, a special case. But a lot of people were unhappy, were expressing their anger very, very vocally. And in the end, that anger sort of fell back and, and no one is incredibly upset about some of the features that Zuckerberg has. I think, I mean, that's, that only because, has I think that's only because we just gave up. Yeah, not things like not things like the the, the feed. Uh, he was mentioning in his speech when the feed just arrived. I think it it was 2006 or seven, uh, very early in the life of Facebook. People were in uproar. You know, it's that thing of of changing a, a, a feature or piece of the interface. No, or- I
0: I agree. I, I I know what you're saying, and, and and I I agree with that in the sense that. But I think he's conflating two different kinds of anger. There is when any anything changes. If I change, you know, the the when the backdrop behind me people are going to get be upset oh your change' has ruined it you've you've jumped the shark that's yeah. one kind of upset now I understand that people don't like change and they get upset and then they get used to it but he's conflating that with I think the very real and legitimate concerns people have about Facebook's changing privacy policy and how hard it is to figure out what the hell is going on there you know you you know from one moment to the next you don't know. What is going to happen to stuff you post there? And you're right, Patrick. The right assumption yeah. is just assume it's going to go public,
2: yeah. but that's not the promise no, think, they're making. No, I I agree, but I think he's doing that absolutely, and it's absolutely because that's what Facebook it's wants. It's convenient. But I, yeah, no, I, completely. But I also think that we are doing that a little bit too in saying that users are still completely upset about every one of those new features that they were upset about when they were introduced. Things like, you know, tagging, the, uh, tagging someone else on the photo, people realized, okay, it's no big deal. If I, if I don't like it, then I delete it or, you know, these kinds of little things. Uh, the, the general privacy setting, it's an understandability of the privacy settings is a, a huge problem, I agree. But not everything is to that level um, of, you know, DEFCON five.
1: But it's not, it's not just privacy on Facebook. I would argue, just from someone who runs a business, I make a living by doing social media and, and consulting clients, and the reality is they change so many other things on Facebook on a weekly basis, like if you want to well, have a contest on on yeah. Facebook, every week they change the rules and regulations. And right. I just get this feeling, I don't know, Mark, I don't know who he works with at that top level, that these are a bunch of young people who are just are like, eh, we'll change it this week, see, see what happens. I, think I feel that's like the there's culture. a lack of respect. Yeah, it's the culture, and it's an arrogance. And it feels like it's a lack of respect for users out there who depend on the to connect with friends and family, to do business, and they just are, you know, switching things up kind of, you know, haphazardly. That's my opinion. Is this
0: the, is this the generation gap you were talking about, Om? Is it a bunch of young people at Facebook who don't get the concerns that uh, the, uh, us older people have? I don't know,
3: you know if it's the people at Facebook who are like that. I think, but they have a culture of trying a lot of new things. And, you know, what I've seen is that, you know, Facebook as a company you know pushes to the very extreme to the very edge and sees how far it can push its customer base and then when there is a pushback so they pull they back a little bit yeah and then they do it again and so yeah. they've you know they've you know they've won you know movie any given Sunday. Football is a game of inches. I think Facebook is, uh, Facebook has adopted that philosophy when it comes to privacy and changes. I would say one thing about Facebook. At least they don't put do no evil in their corporate. <laughs> <family>. <laughs> <laughs> so they start with the assumption that they are going to do something. Do you think, do you think they Google is as bad as Facebook? I mean, these are big companies which have to make money and they have their own agenda, I mean, we have to be naive to believe that these companies don't have their own agenda. Right? Like, so whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Google, you know, they're in the business of making money and there is this whole idea of them doing the right thing, well, I don't know. You know, let's, I, I don't want to be, don't want to sound too skeptical and too cynical about everything, but that's how, you know, life normally works out. It's just companies make money and they'll do anything in order to further their own interests and so that's okay you know we need to be just aware of that basic reality
0: although I think you can look at um, how the companies make money to understand better what their agenda is I mean Facebook makes money uh, both Facebook and Google make money through ads Mm -hmm. but uh, Facebook makes money by using the information you give it to allow advertisers to target those ads and sometimes very personal information.
3: And Google makes money by taking money from people who sell fake pharmaceuticals. and
0: They're in a little trouble for that, it, aren't they?
3: <laughs> and run infant, infanticide, infanticide ads in countries like India. So come on, I mean, it's like we, we start looking at everything. We all live in a glass house in that sense.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Uh, Dick Costello is going to be working for the president. Uh, Apparently, um, the CEO of Twitter will be named to an advisory uh, committee to uh, President Obama, according to the Wall Street Journal, Um,
2: among others. See, that's something we don't have in France. Well, you guys have a, 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 a. We may have it. I don't know if it means czar. anything. <laughs> oh, it, it means that the government is paying attention to, to the technology world. And you have, you know, a, a CTO, and you. We don't. We, don't have anything like that. Maybe if we have, you know, if we had a CEO of some tech company in, more involved in the government, we wouldn't have had the three, three strikes law. Or It's the President's I, it's, National Security Telecommunications
0: Advisory Committee, or NS-TAC. And uh, along with Dick Costello will be Scott Charney from Microsoft, uh, Jamie Dos Santos, who's the CEO of a company called Terramark Federal Group, David DeWalt, president of Intel. Oh, no, I'm sorry, president of Intel's McAfee division. I forgot, Intel bought McAfee. And Lisa Hook, CEO of Newstar. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any experience with these committees. I don't know how often they sit, how, how many re- recommendations they make, and most importantly, whether anybody pays any attention at all to what they say. Is it a sinecure is it, uh, or is it a real job? I don't know.
1: I think there's no doubt, though, that Obama obviously recognizes that it's important to have companies like Twitter and Google and and think about those companies and their leaders and have them involved in discussions about the future of the U.S. And so I think I fall into Patrick's uh, camp here in the sense that it would be great to see uh, uh, my government in Canada. What would Stephen Harper do? Stephen Harper, honestly, I don't want to say he's one of the most evil leaders in the, in the G8, but on, if you look up what Stephen Harper is open about sharing and how he does business, he has kind of locked down information in this company in, a, or in this country in a way that wow. uh, we've never experienced before. And, um, you, know, he's, you know, we've been kicked off the Security Council, so <laughs> need wow. I say more? Wow. Uh, so he will not be uh, involving anyone uh, from an open technology platform in an advisory role. I highly doubt it. Twitter
0: is also in the news because um, they've furnished information to the uh, a British government, a British court. Um, the name, email address, and telephone number of a South Tyneside uh, counselor accused of libeling the local authority via a series of anonymous Twitter accounts. South Tyneside Council took the legal fight to the Superior Court of California, which ordered Twitter to hand over the private details. Um, so
1: is that the first time this has happened, Leo? That's
0: a- It's supposedly the first time Twitter has bowed to legal pressure to identify anonymous users. Now, I have to say, uh, I have some experience with this. Uh, we had, um, I don't know how much I want to say about this. There was a tweet that was uh, problematic, and uh, we got a subpoena, uh, and we were able to track down the person who, who did the tweet. Uh, but it took court orders, several court orders to do it. Uh, it was a threatening tweet, and we wanted to make sure that it wasn't a real threat, not to myself, but to somebody else. Uh, and we had local police and then um, uh, had to subpoena. We, it was a number of processes we had to go through. It's not an easy thing to do. But, and Twitter doesn't give you that information. All they give you is an IP address. And then you have to go to the Internet service provider, and from them you get the, uh, the person's name. Uh, but we were able to do that. Ryan Giggs, who is a, uh, a soccer player for Manchester United, uh, was named as the plaintiff in a gag order preventing reporting of an alleged affair with a reality TV model. He's trying, he's trying to get the names of Twitter users accused of revealing details against
2: the injunction. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it was retweeted by like thirty three well, thousand users. Yeah, oh, and wow. he wants to get the names of all of them. That's- he does. Not just the Apparently, one? yeah, that's what I heard. Good luck. What's he going to do? <laughs> yeah, no um,
0: But Twitter, no, I think Twitter says this, that if,
2: if, if provided with a court order, you know, we'll give you the information we know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and in this case, uh, they actually informed the guy, I'm sorry, the, the case before, uh, Apparently, they informed the guy and he declined to, to contest the subpoena, ah. which is why they ended up uh, releasing his information. So it's not as big as we all thought it was when the, the story first broke. Had he, had he fought it. And, and,
0: and then there's Wienergate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is hilarious. <laughs> this is so I funny. don't know
0: what to believe on this one, but New York Democratic Representative Anthony Wiener's Twitter account... Friday night uh, featured a um, a photo of a man in underwear with a quite a bulge. Apparently, uh, the tweet was an at reply to a Washington State woman. Uh, of course, the tweet was retweeted uh, quite a bit. Um, he says he was hacked.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, sure. I do love his response, though. I have to say, it is uh, classic.
0: Is it is. He deleted the lewd tweet and then tweeted, TiVo shot, because I guess his TiVo didn't, he had tweeted that his TiVo hadn't recorded a hockey game. TiVo shot, Facebook hacked, is my blender going to attack me next? And then used the hashtag, the toaster is very loyal. At least he has a sense of humor about this.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. This a similar situation happened with a really well-known TV personality uh, here in Canada, where he tweeted something that was obviously supposed to be a DM to someone he people think he was potentially having an affair with. It was very embarrassing, and he said my Twitter account was hacked. And you know, I think the good news is people learn very quickly (laughs) about uh, the difference between a DM and a reply. Yeah, (laughs) I
0: think that's what happened. I think he didn't understand (laughs) the difference between a DM and a reply. Uh, the woman, uh, deleted her account immediately. Um, however, bloggers located her and identified her Twitter handle and found a second account. She's believed to be a journalism student in Washington state. And apparently in the original account she had tweeted, I wonder what my boyfriend at rep Wiener is up to right now. Of course, that's why she got a, a picture of his crotch or somebody's crotch. We don't
2: know. Well. I have to say, though, the, that, that that picture is incredibly disappointing. I didn't I see it. I, you actually it. sought it out, eh, Patrick? Well, it's, on, it's in the article. That, uh, is it? That's, oh. I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. See? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's not impressive.
3: Yeah. I think the great thing about Twitter is that <laughs> we can all be stupid and incredibly idiotic at a global scale in <laughs>
0: less than a second. Let the yeah. whole world see. Yeah. So, oh, dear. I think, Amber, one you point, hit the no nail on the head. no one's going to care, are they?
2: <laughs> well, at, this at will point, blow one point, you're over. just going to... Yeah, well,
1: yeah. he. I have to say, though, he. I mean, his response and how, the fact that it was humorous, if he just said nothing and closed down his Twitter account, I mean, yeah. this would have been a very different situation. So I think he kind of alleviated some of the drama by just responding, being kind of funny and using a quirky hashtag. He kind of, in some ways, even though obviously he doesn't totally understand how to use Twitter, if he did publicly do this, he understands that, you know, it's it's important to reply quickly and to use some humor as well and I, kind of I, pull I, things off.
0: I believe this is the advice Amber gives in power friending, <laughs> as a matter of fact. He must have read it. <laughs> yes. He must have read your book. Use a clever hashtag. When caught red-handed.
1: That's the next book, all right.
0: Use a clever hashtag. Uh, I know you're a big fan of uh, Jacob Nielsen, the user uh, user uh, interface guy, the usability guy. He just did a study of iPad apps, which we're going to talk about in a bit. And Samsung's lawyers get a little uppity in their lawsuit with Apple. We'll talk about that in just a second. Before we do, though, I'd like to mention our friends at Ford. Sponsors of our photo show, the Mostly Photo Show, visit the, the website Mostly Photo Adventures. We'd love to have you participate. We have the, – the way this works is uh, we have a little contest going on on Mostly Photo where uh, people submit photos to our Flickr group, which is Mostly Photo, one word on Flickr. And uh, we pick a, uh, three of the, our favorites in a, in a particular uh, subject. I think light was – the subject this week, and then you get to, uh, to vote on them via Twitter. You can go to MostlyPhotoAdventures.com, click the finalist tab, and you'll see what the three finalists are, Jamie uh, Martirano, Jared Rapolato, and Monty M. These are incredible pictures demonstrating the use of light. I think they're really, really gorgeous. But which is, which is your favorite? One of them will win a $100 uh, gift certificate from Amazon.com, thanks to Ford. So there you go, mostlyphotoadventures.com. And while you're there, take a look at the all-new, 100% redesigned Ford Explorer. Just a spectacular automobile with room for seven passengers, best-in-class V6 highway fuel economy, 25 miles per gallon, in 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 a gorgeous automobile. We we rent them every time we have a photo walk because it's got the three rows, so there's lots of room for seven passengers, and yet also lots of room for gear or your family. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Ford, as you know, and I think this new Ford Explorer is spectacular. In fact, tons of uh, cargo space if you fold down the seats in the uh, third row. Lots of power for towing, 5,000 pound towing capacity, and still great mileage. And of course, the My Ford Touch with available sync is fantastic. Visit it at morselyphotoadventures.com. Don't forget to vote for your favorite photo. And then tune in Tuesday when we pick our winner. Uh, We do the show 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at live.twit.tv, mostly photo. Or go to twit.tv slash photo and download previous episodes. You're watching This Week in Tech with our guests Amber MacArthur, uh, Om Malik, and Patrick Beja. Our international crew. Well, all but... All but you and me, uh, um. So there is a a little lawsuit going on, Samsung and Apple. Apple says Samsung stole everything from the iPhone and the uh, iPad. Samsung countersued. And now, I love this. I don't know if this is going to succeed. Samsung's lawyers have asked in discovery that Apple send them (laughs) the iPhone 5 and the iPad 3. Uh, just so, you know, they can take a look. And uh, this is this is just like, this is, are they serious? Or is this just like,
2: neener, neener, neener? Well, uh, Apple uh, got the right to see the uh, Samsung prototype. They, they, they asked, asked for the Droid over. Charge, yes. Yeah. The Droid
0: Charge, the Infuse 4G, the Galaxy S2, and the, the new Galaxy Tab. Uh, so, quote, Apple could determine if these products could be part of the lawsuit. So Samsung said, okay, okay, well, we want to see the iPhone 5. (laughs) I love it.
2: When you can't compete, litigate. Um, They'll they'll get it, but it will come attached to Steve Jobs' arm (laughs) with a a bracelet. The court sided with Apple... um,
0: because review units had come out of most of these and photos and so forth, so it wasn't it wasn't giving up anything that uh, people hadn't already seen. Um, but but I'll be very curious to see if uh, if they if they if they say to uh, Apple, you better. If if they do, then they're clearly not paying attention. <laughs> um, we'll see. They say by June thirteenth.
3: It'd be good for the. Apple rumor yeah, Gizmodo's
0: gonna love this. Yeah, so yeah, it's too
3: funny.
0: They Enjoy. say if final versions aren't available by June 13th, we'll take the most current version.
1: <laughs> I bet they will.
0: Um, this is great. This is great. I just, this is a, this lawsuit's gonna go on for years and give us lots of material.
1: It's like the Winklevoss twins. <laughs>
0: yeah, going to the Supreme Court now. Living right, up to, living right up to, that, to those characters that were created for them in the, the movie yeah, The exactly. Social Network. They're exactly like that,
2: apparently. Yeah. Uh, so, I have a question about all these, uh, li- these lawsuits. Seen from here, from France, it seems like every other day you have a new one, and it, they're all more ridiculous than the other, and it's just a game of lawsuits. The and, problem you know, you is we have a very and, broken
0: patent and, uh, system in this country.
2: Right, but does it mean that they're all uh, ludicrous, or are some of them actually valid? I don't know. Om, what do you think?
3: You know, there are so many of these, you can't tell which ones are valid and which ones are not valid. I do think the there is, a, this one between Samsung and Apple might actually have uh, some legs, do you think it,
0: Samsung it, stole Apple's trade dress?
3: No, but there is like, this one might actually end up in some kind of out-of-code settlement between the two companies. I mean, it seems there is enough on both sides to, to kind of have to deal with it in a more effective way. I think just like you had the, the lawsuits between Nokia and Qualcomm, and those resulted in settlements. So there may be some stuff which might happen on this one. But otherwise, I just see like a lot of the, the other ones that a lot, you know, I can't even tell. Like I, I I've actually stopped trying to yeah. figure it out. I, I,
0: I guess my general feeling is even if there's merit, just stay stay out of court. Just spend all that energy and money and time. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and make better products. I agree. That seems to me a better use of your time.
1: Like yeah, I it's, got- just, it's too much. <laughs> Oh, your friend much. your it's friend
0: lawyers ja- ja- in the company. Well, that's the problem is that Apple has a building full of lawyers. They got to do something. Your friend Jacob Nielsen Amber, the Nielsen Norman Group just did a comprehensive study of um apps on the iPad. They gave 16 study participants access to the NPR app, Flipboard, The Daily, and the Amazon app among others to see If they could figure out how to use it. They had two months with these apps. And uh, according to the Nielsen Group, people have no clue how to use iPad apps.
1: You know, the, the, this story kind of drives me crazy. I do, you're right, I do love Jacob Nielsen. I followed him forever in his usability studies. But can you really call 16 people a comprehensive yeah. study group? I mean, when I read that, I just had somehow had doubts because I look at my own experience with my son, who just turned two years old. And he can and figure he, it out. He knows how, he plays Angry Birds. He's on like level 14. I mean... <laughs> He's two? He's too, and he knows how to use, he probably uses about six or seven apps right now. He's not toilet trained. He 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 can't use the toilet,
0: but he can use an iPad.
1: Yeah, and so I'm wondering, who are these people? (laughs) <laughs> who they found? Because I understand that you know apps. Obviously, there are different apps. Some are easier. Some are more difficult. But the the reality is, people choose apps based on their own preferences and the hobbies and things that they like. And so, to just give people a bunch of random apps and say, okay, start using this, and not know enough about the background of these people and their interests and their technological uh, skill set, I just think it. You know, 16 people in a study like this. It's a great headline, but is it really a, a well? A, all a right. Let me. Let me.
0: This is just some of the things they suggest. I yeah. I have to. I agree with them in one respect. Every Every iPad app has a different UI.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I mean, it's because there's no standard at all. There's no menu bar. So all of them, you end up, and I think this is why little kids are good at it, trial and error. You end up just doing things, swipe, mm-hmm. push, poke. And when something happens, a kid loves it. They go, oh. And, and, and that's why little kids are better than adults. Adults are saying, there's got to be some sense to this. You no, I think, uh,
3: Leo, the, 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 the thing with iPad. And, and kids is exactly what I was talking about, young people and privacy and Facebook, is that they have a whole different way of thinking about things. Touch is a very natural interface, and they can figure it out very easily, especially when it comes to games or educational software, which prompts them to do things. They would have done these things in real life. I think those are the applications which are being successful. I think Mm -hmm. there is a reason why Angry Birds is so successful. There is a proper touch physics behind it. You know, it just didn't happen. So they thought this one through that how can anybody use it without having a learning curve? And I think when you look at something like NPR app, that is a brilliant app. And anybody can use it. I say the same thing about the Amazon app. It's the same thing. I would not say the same thing about the other two you mentioned, right? The Daily and, and Flipboard, they're a work in progress just yet. And so I think, and first of all, to say that 16 people are, are a comprehensive study, I don't think so. If, when you think of an iPad, you have to stop thinking of it from a predictable user experience that you are used to on a computer. And I think that's where, you know, all these apps are created and apps are reviewed with a PC mindset. I think that's exactly what is going on right now.
2: There's also a
0: study that says uh, French consulting firm Miratech. So this one's from France, Patrick. (laughs) Just published a research report saying that people reading news on an iPad are skimming and can't remember what they read. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't remember what you just said. <laughs> Readers are more likely to skim over articles on an iPad than in a newspaper. 20% of users have better retention when they read something on paper versus an iPad. There's no difference in the amount of time it takes a person to read an article on the iPad versus a newspaper. So they're not, they're not reading it faster. They're just remembering less. And on average, eyes linger longer on paper, implying more focused reading. People's gaze, they did eye tracking on this. People's gaze patterns when they look at a page are identical on an iPad versus a print newspaper. There's just something about it. People just
2: aren't remembering it. You know, I have to say, even without going to eye tracking, I don't know if you guys are guilty of that too, but I've been using on the iPad uh, uh, an RSS reader application, and I found that recently in the last few months, when I come across a story, if I don't get... Everything I need to know from the headline, and I jump into the story, and it's more than three par- uh, you know paragraphs long. I, I sometimes don't even want to read it. Headline. I just go. You know, I'll, yeah, iPad yeah, users I'll, I'll just are get, easily bored. <laughs> there you go. I- I'll just get my information from you know the either Twitter or podcasts or but. If it you need to condense it so much for to grab my attention, do you guys see that at all, or do you still read long articles? I'm bored, let's move on.'m
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, in fact, I think that's why readability and Instapaper paper are so great because in fact, most of the time when you're doing uh, content consumption on something like an iPad, you are skimming, but the ability to say save that so that I can read that later. I think yeah. it's very valuable. But do you ever like go crazy. back to
1: that, Leo? Because, I mean, the, no, my experience no. always, yeah, I never go back to it because <laughs> there's a, a sense of urgency online. You know, we want we want information that's new, that's yeah. fresh. And so the idea of going back to news, I mean, that's how, I hate to say this, but I, that's how I feel when I get the newspaper on the doorstep in the morning, even though we still get the newspaper. It's like, uh, you know, 80% of it I kind of already know.
0: Right? It's anxiety provoking.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is I get is the big New York bit. Times.
0: It's like, I can't get through that. When I get the New Yorker every week, it's like,
1: ah, uh, Can you just send me some headlines and a Twitter uh, feed or something like that? Tweet Tweet me. me. (laughs) Yeah, I wait. This is terrible, but my brother uh, reads the Globe Mail, which is Canada's national newspaper, pretty much from front to uh, uh, back every day, and so he reads it online. And I'll I'll wait until he kind of tweets the best articles before I even think of diving into the site because I know he'll kind of pick up some of the best stuff. So you have all these human filters around you, right, going through that longer content for you.
2: Yeah, that's the excuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your brother is your flipboard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I'm sure he'll love to do it. you do ever that. do
0: this to your brother?
1: <laughs> Come Swipe on. them. Go faster. Swipe. Go faster. Swipe. Next I wish story. I could do Next that story. to some people actually that are a little wordy because I find even just in general, you know, people are taking too long to say something, you just want to move them on. Swipe them
2: Pinch them them. along. Yeah, okay, I got the message. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm talking I'm at a you pinch. to you, pinch, Uh
0: so um, We've seen Google's cloud service. Amazon, did you? How many, okay, how many of you bought Gaga for 99 cents?
3: Mm,
1: I'm gaga out.
0: You gaga would out?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, Malik, I know you're a big Lady Gaga fan.
3: I actually, I didn't even wait for the 99 cent offer. I, I bought it on iTunes, so.
0: You paid $11.99. <laughs>
3: I pay retail. You're a terrible I'm... consumer. Why did you do that? Yeah. I couldn't wait. I just wanted this the album.
0: He is a Lady Gaga fan. I was joking. I am. I am. <laughs> it's
3: like she's the perfect new media star. She's brilliant.
0: I do. Yeah. I do have to say that she is using new media in in such an impressive way. You know, when I first, when well, you saw that Chrome ad, right? Uh-huh. And, and I watched the Chrome, the Lady Gaga Chrome ad, and I thought, oh well, those so superficial. Her tweets, you know, claws up little monsters, stuff like that. And then somebody said, no, read her tweets. And she actually engages with her audience. She at replies people. She's totally in there. Mm -hmm. Amazing. She. I mean, Amber, I'm sure, you know, she's next book. She's going to be a case study in.
1: Oh, she's phenomenal. And, you know, she's, she sent a tweet a while ago that was uh, uh, kind of inappropriate, and she actually apologized for it right away. And she's so connected to all of her fans. I totally agree with that. I mean, I think that she's done a great job of using a bunch of different channels in the social media world. I just find it's one of those things that's like gaga saturation for me. Yeah, I'm yeah. sort of, you know, it's too much, right? Um, let me ask so- you, though. Do you
0: think that's really her tweeting?
1: Uh, I don't know. I kind of think it is, and whoever—if it's not it her—they're doing a great authentic. job of being yeah. authentic. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it feels like her. But uh, you know, then again, I, you know, as far as authenticity, I feel like she ripped off Madonna. So that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <to do. laughs>
0: if if Twitter had existed during Madonna's reign, watch
1: out! Watch out! So um,
3: <laughs> there is a on my on my personal blog, Oh There is a video of uh, of this person who talks about Gaga ripping off. Madonna, Madonna ripping off somebody else, etc., oh, nice. etc. The music, as they say, the the idea of original music is just going away. I think what, what Lady Gaga has done is establish that the media is a game of attention. It doesn't matter what platform you use, what channel you use, what methods you use. The more attention you get, the more you know. You know, the bigger star you are, the bigger star you are the more you can monetize it. I think she embodies that attention economics better than anybody else. Her and Justin Bieber are two perfect examples of people who use the Internet to their own advantage. in yeah. are very effective. That's why I like, I, you know, is, will I remember her music, you know, six months from now? No. Probably not. No. And, I also, and I also listen to Lady Gaga just to annoy one of my colleagues. <laughs> you really <laughs> want
0: to really annoy him. Listen to Justin Bieber.
3: No, no. This is like, I just play the, some of Lady Gaga's songs, which basically puts,
0: makes me the devil in the company. So it's great. <laughs> um, so uh, I did. I bought the 99 cents just because it was, it was cheap. But apparently um, Gaga gets the same royalty whether you buy it from iTunes or Amazon. So, essentially, Amazon's making up the difference. Billboard magazine estimated that it was about $7.40 per purchase. There were 440,000 copies of Born This Way sold on Amazon during that 99-cent promo on Monday and Thursday. 440,000. Wow. Uh, which means it cost to Amazon about $21 million
2: for this promotion. Was it worth it? well it comes down to the to the cost of acquisition uh, of a new user right it it means that they paid 7 and whatever dollars to get a new user maybe Worth they won't it. stick around Worth but it. still Worth it, it, it seems like not too much of a you know not too high of a price to get a new user yeah
0: yeah cuz those people now are buying music on amazon they some of them set up amazon accounts they didn't have before they know how to do it they've they've they they can now come back and buy another album uh and they're using the cloud service, right? Because as soon as you buy even one $0.99 cent album, you've got 20 gigs storage.
2: The upside yeah, for Amazon is great. 400,000 new users in, you know, two days of promotion seems like a definite win, yeah. no matter how, we, how you put it. Yeah. And they get a lot of press. I just think it's
0: hysterical that I almost spent eleven ninety-nine. Like, <laughs> enough. You could have got it for $0.99. Cents. <laughs> I, I
3: already sp- have the cloud service, and yeah. as I said, I couldn't wait. You know, come on, it's it was my hurry. iTunes alerts. So. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: are we are all victims
2: of this of these new technologies. That's really the 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 the, the fact here. I wish I could be a victim. The, the, the oh, you Amazon can't get it in France. Is not, yeah. yeah, can you get it in
1: Canada, hey, Amber? Uh, I think so. I didn't actually buy it, but I think we can. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we can. Okay,
0: get ready for this because we don't know yet, but it, it's, it's presumed by all and sundry that Apple is now going to announce iCloud now that Amazon and Google have kind of stepped forward with their music services. Um, everybody agrees. In fact, the, you know, there's a lot of evidence that they've already made. Amazon, unlike Amazon and Google, Apple is making deals with record companies. Um, and here's what they're going to get. Because they've made a deal, You now right now with Google Music, you can put 20,000 songs up there, which is amazing. But you have to upload each and every one. So it took me several days to get my 6,000 song collection up there. Now it's up there. It's on my phone. Fu- I mean, I, don't, I can stream it to my phone, my uh, my tablet, whatever. I like that. What you really want to do, though, is just kind of run some program that says, oh, yeah, you got that, that, and that. We'll just put a copy up there. And apparently this is what, according to rumors, this is what Apple's going to do with iCloud. They will scan your iTunes library and then put a high-quality copy of that same song on your iCloud without uploading. And that's why they're licensing it from the music companies. They'll even replace any low-bit track copies with a high-quality version, fully licensed.
2: Now, unlike well, Google and Amazon, they'll probably charge you. Well, we don't know. You know, uh, Google is probably going to charge you. Maybe This they'll is charge the free beta too. now. Right. Um, it was estimated bit, that if Google that. had yeah. done a deal, that Google
0: apparently talked to the music companies about this, and everybody, mm-hmm. uh, the music company said no to Google. Um, they were doing things like saying, well, you got to charge $30 a year for this, but ultimately they, they felt like Google was just a platform for piracy and they didn't want to have anything to do with it.
2: Ridiculous. But it, it's probably, you know, that thing that, that Apple is probably going to do, uh, which is scan your library and, and getting making everything available to you, is presumably what Amazon and Google wanted to do also, but couldn't. So they had to do that weird workaround where you have a locker in the in the sky, in the clouds. Um, but. Apple, ironically, is now the, the, the music label's best friends because Google and Amazon wouldn't play ball. It's a, it's a quite an incredible turn of events and very lucky for Apple.
1: Yeah, I, I'm excited about this. I think, it you know, I'll definitely use it. I think it's a, a good thing. Just to be able to have access like that to all my music in the cloud. I mean, I'm constantly running around, and I'm not near you know, my computer and my iTunes library, and then they're different on every computer. I mean, it's kind of a mess, to be honest with you, right now. So, Mm -hmm. the idea I could just have it in one uh, place and be able to access it anywhere online is a huge advantage, and um, hopefully it happens soon.
0: I wouldn't write write off Amazon. I don't know if... I think Google, as usual, has kind of fumbled this one, but I wouldn't write off Amazon here. I think that they're really... They're doing so many interesting things. I think this Gaga promotion was huge. Uh, you, do you know that they launched a Mac download store this week? I, it was—I don't think yeah. it got a lot of attention. If you go to Amazon.com, you, you, good luck finding it. But you can—but they launched a store that will allow you to download apps for
2: Macintosh, just like Apple's own App Store. Well, how is it a store though? It's not a piece of software that you install install on your Mac. No. It doesn't. Automatically download and install the software. It's just a page with lots of Mac software
0: Yeah for download
2: right, but Really that's such a big deal. I guess you get the rights to it, and then you can reinstall it the, the software you bought Yeah, buy it has any, a, lot any, the, you want, a lot of the a lot of the
0: advantages of Apple store without a separate
2: app. Does it is that that important to that have an app? Um, no, but I mean I, the the big aspect of the app is also that it uh, automatically installs and updates uh, I'm sorry, of the app store and updates your apps. I don't know how this is different from just a regular Amazon page. Don't you think it's
0: interesting though that Amazon Amazon has now an Android app store and a Mac app store?
2: Oh yeah, I mean no, this is, uh, regarding what you were saying earlier, Amazon is going to be, apparently it's very likely that within 6 to 12 months we're going to see Amazon emerge as the one competitor no one expected to right. apple in that whole uh, mobile world they're doing everything right and they've been doing everything right for the past few months how with, important uh, is it, services and how important is hardware to that
0: is it, it, it a- a- amazon of course it- is rumored that they'll have two android tablets mm-hmm. one will be a quad core before the end of the year uh, is that a key to
2: the whole thing Essential. Yeah, they have to, in that world, they have to control the experience, which is what Google is also, I'm sure you guys will agree, but they're also trying to get their house in order a little right. bit and racing to get things cleaner. Do
0: hmm. you think Amazon's a good bet right now, Om? Absolutely. I think there
3: is, there, I think we have to just take a little step back on this. You know, they. this is a business or slash, this is an effort which is going to be, put you know, services like download.com, which is owned by CBS, on the defensive, number one. Number two, the Amazon's business is to sell things, whether they are physical things or digital things, whether it's video games, music, software. If apps are what people want to buy, they're essentially selling those. And what they are going to do when it comes to tablets they are thinking about tablets or Kindle or whatever it is as a way to sell more digital goods. That's, they're not selling hardware. They're selling digital goods. So they're coming at it from the exact opposite end of the spectrum versus Apple. I think they have, both these companies have very clear strategies. And I think Amazon is taking the right approach. They're being very methodical. And you know what they have is what Google still doesn't have is access to people's purchasing this you know information they have one click and you can start buying whatever you need to buy on amazon that is an incredibly powerful asset they have and they're leveraging it across different verticals whether it is the android store or the mac store you know why shouldn't they be doing like a windows store amazon you know windows store i'm sure they will yeah i mean it's like i mean if people want to pay for software and they can make it easy to buy, why not? Well, and, and micro, I
0: think Microsoft they're... Office, which is on sale on the Mac Store, is a lot cheaper on the Mac Store, and you can use it on three computers.
2: Right. Um, and exactly corresponding to what Om is saying, is, is saying, uh, look at the MP3 service that they offer from Amazon to Google. You can't even buy anything on Google's store. Yeah. Uh, that's a major flaw. This is, this is why you know, Amazon could afford to antagonize the uh, music labels. I'm talking about that you know, music service specifically, but they could afford to antagonize them because they already had the deals to enable the, the selling of music. Google could not afford to antagonize them and they right. did it anyway because they're Google. Right. And
1: there's such a comfort level, I think, with Amazon. I think of my mom, for example, who's 67, and probably the only place she's ever bought anything and felt really comfortable about the online purchase is on Amazon. Oh, no, you know, absolutely. Just having yeah. known that site and that brand and trusted it for so long.
0: Two things, one click and prime. Guarantee that I will always look at Amazon to buy something before I go anywhere else.
3: You know, Leo, I wrote a post recently, and in last five years, the amount of money spent by us on Amazon per year has doubled and that's primarily because of since 2006 and that's primarily because of the the availability of you know Amazon Prime and a lot more of these digital goods when you say yes.
0: us you mean the malik family or you mean us americans the the average, average amazon American. customer yeah
3: and 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 the reason for that is i think when you make it that simple, when it's one-click purchasing decision, Huge. and when it comes to digital goods, it is actually, we don't even think about it. It's not it's real al- money. Right. It's almost like a game. You know, we click it downwards. It's only, you know, it's only a few couple of dollars, right? But. The impact of that over 12 months is massive.
2: Oh, yeah. I I don't like to look at my Amazon bill. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which part of culture and, and, you know, uh, intellectual property uh, are they not serving right now? They they have video, music, uh, apps, uh, books, obviously, with the Kindle. They have everything. All the pieces are falling into place. Yeah, and the Kindle is selling very well. They More said, than physical books. That's right. Uh, and they
0: said this new um, ad supported Kindle, the $114 Kindle, is the best selling uh, Kindle they've ever made. It's already outselling the previous Kindles. That one I don't get. For $20, you're, you're going you to save it? 25 bucks. <laughs>
2: I bought it. It's, you yeah. know, it's, you it's, don't count. You buy everything.
0: Oh, I did. Yeah. yeah. I actually bought it by accident. I one clicked. I didn't even know it arrived. And I said, Did I buy that? <laughs> and that's exactly your point. You have um, a problem, Liam. it's No, I have a problem. It's almost it's, it's point exactly. It's too damn easy. Yeah. I just push that's the That's how button. I feel
1: about apps in general. I just, I keep buying apps. Yeah. You know, you know, some apps can get expensive. I just bought an app recently for thirteen ninety nine, and 99 um, you know just adds up. And in the month, you just can't believe you've bought so many.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. Hey, as long as we're talking about Amazon, I want to talk about uh, our uh, one of our fine sponsors, which happens to be an Amazon company. We're talking about Audible.com, the audio store. This, I tell you, the uh, integra- You know, the new Amazon Kindle. I was really surprised. I thought this was a very interesting use of integration. When I. Uh, you know, you, it's, it's your account, so you open it up and it has all your books. It also had all the Amazon, uh, the Audible books I'd ever purchased, and it would automatically be downloaded to the Kindle. That's, I don't know if that's on other Kindles or if it's just the new Kindle, but it's certainly where Amazon's going forward. And I love it because, you know, now I've got my audio and my Kindle books all available on the same device. Audible.com slash Twit2. Here's how you get involved with Audible. If you've never listened to books before, we understand. Maybe that's a little scary. Maybe you want to try before you buy. Well, go to audible.com slash twit2. You get two books, two books free. You sign up for the platinum account. That's two books a month. Your first month is free. The books are free, and they're yours to keep forever. Cancel at any time. Uh, I just, you know, every time I, 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 actually it's bad because every time I go to the Audible page, I go, ooh, here's another interesting book. Ooh, The Believing Brain from Ghost to God's Body, How We Construct Beliefs and them. See, I can't wait to read this. It's like going to a great bookstore. And the neat thing is about Audible is uh, that, you know, you can listen to these in your car, at the gym, as you're cleaning the house. So there's so many places that you can listen to Audible books that you really couldn't get be reading anyway, this is the one uh, this is next on my audible listen list. I love David McCullough. I love his voice. I love his writing. He's one of the great historians, and I think you'd like this, Patrick. It's called "The Greater Journey: Americans in Paris." It's about <laughs> American artists, writers, doctors, politicians, architects who set off for Paris between the uh, years of 1830 and 1900. And, I mean, so many great American cultural icons like Ralph Waldo Emerson, Mark Twain, Oliver Wender Holmes, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Harriet Beecher Stowe lived in Paris as they created. So this has got my two favorite things, Paris and David McCullough. Listen a little bit to The Greater Journey, Americans in Paris. David mcculloughs you'll recognize his, oh, wait a minute, oh, he doesn't read it, Edward Herman reads it, but who is also great, another great actor not getting any audio from it that's my fault i'm doing something wrong that is by the way one of the nice features on the audible uh, site audible.com slash twit 2 as you can listen to any book preview it and see how you like the reader and so forth so there's one book i see that another one of my all-time favorites has been named as the best audio book of the year won an audio, audio uh, award keith richard's fantastic life so did, good did you read that amber
1: Yeah, actually, uh, that is so good. And another one that was recommended, Sarah Lane recommended it on Audible to me is Bossy Pants by Tina Fey, and she narrates it, and it's fantastic. Uh, She's phenomenal.
0: See, here's the problem. You get to Audible, and you can't stop. It's like candy for your brain. Audible.com slash twit2. If you haven't yet tried Audible, give it a try. Bossy Pants is the number one book right now on Audible, and then the David McCullough book is the number two in their top downloads. Oh, wait a minute. The zombie apocalypse is coming. Wait a minute. You see? And I start, get, I start reading the science fiction. These are all zombie books. Oh, man. If you like... <laughs> Audible. You see? You can't eat just one. Audible.com slash twit2. Get two books today. Absolutely free. But watch out. You're going to get hooked. <laughs> Amazon bought them... Well, it's been about a year. And I keep waiting for... You know what I really want? I want Whisper WhisperSync. On Audible, You know how when you're reading a book on the Kindle and then you read it on your iPad or your computer, it jumps to the last page you read on any device? I want that with audio so that I could, like, listen to a book while I'm doing the dishes and then get, you know, and then get in bed and then I have my Kindle and it would jump to that page. I want that. <laughs> but uh, I know. I'm asking a lot. Audible.com <laughs> slash, slash Twit2. I'll tell you, uh, it, the Internet is great for consumers. Ohm uh, puts a link to this great song on his uh, blog, ohmis.me. It's a Bruno, Bruno Mars song. You've seen it, the Lazy Song. But this is uh, Leonard Nimoy in it, doing kind of a tribute to the dude, the Big Lebowski. This is such a great video. You're absolutely right, Ohm. I just love this video. I don't, I, for some reason, I'm not getting audio out of this uh, Oh, because I pushed the wrong button. There we go. Today, I don't feel like doing anything. <laughs> I just want to lay in my place. In, in a single stroke, like Leonard Nimoy completely we rejuvenates his career.
2: Tone, today, I swear <laughs> I'm not doing anything. And is Bruno. this something that he did for for promotional purposes? Uh, you know, this is not
0: the official Bruno Mars uh video for this song. But you gotta uh. figure, I mean, I don't know. What's the story, Ohm? Do you know?
3: I think this is just a
0: special video, I think he did, or something. It's so great.
3: This is so so pretty awesome.
0: It's so funny. <laughs> he wanders out of the house, he's eating cereal out of the box, his neighbor waves at him, he goes, <laughs> leaves, Throws the empty cereal box on the lawn and then walks to the drugstore in his slippers and bathrobe. Yeah, gives him the Vulcan mind meld. Like <laughs> this, this is straight out of the Big Lebowski. This is a tribute say, to Jeff Bridges and <laughs> the Big Lebowski. I'm sorry, I just... Ooh, I just... <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song, too. It's a great song. That's marketing. Get Leonard Nimoy. We're going to try to get Leonard on the on the show. He He's a geek. Apparently, he's a photographer. There's a lot of great photography. Um,
1: You're friends see. with Steve Martin now, Leo, so it's only... Yeah, Leonard Nimoy, Steve Martin, what the hell? Good company. Superstars.
0: A couple more uh, stories. We're going to wrap this thing up. Um... Sony says uh, we're going to restore PSN by May 31st, unless we don't. Okay. <laughs> I got, you got to feel it. For everything Amazon's doing right, it seems like Sony's doing something wrong. Uh, congratulations to you, Om Malik. You raised uh, another $6 million. You are now, Giga Ohm is now worth 40 million buckaroos. Or so I've heard. Well, I hope you put some of that in your pocket.
3: Uh, no, it's all into the company. We keep growing it and, uh, hopefully, you know, everything works out as we plan. That's
0: good. Are you, are you looking to be acquired at some point or what, what is, what is your strategy? I, you know, we just raised
3: capital. The idea is to grow this into a big business and it's, it's not just me. That is, you know, 40 people who work at the company who who work incredibly hard. And, you know, we're, we've pushed into subscriptions and paid content, and it's going incredibly well for us. So
0: That's great. Yeah. Well, HuffPo, how much did HuffPo sell the AOL for? What, one? one $315. 315000000 Yeah.
1: That's why I still can't get over that they don't pay any of their bloggers or writers. I, I haven't gotten <laughs> past that point yet.
0: <laughs> Ariana has very, likes, likes, well, nice clothing. <laughs> Zynga is about to file for its IPO. Now LinkedIn had a massive IPO a couple of weeks ago. I think we're are we going to start seeing a little heating up of the um, of the uh, public uh, offerings uh, in the tech world. I uh, think the
3: Zynga one will will be will change the game quite be a
0: huge, bit. It's huge, isn't
3: it? Yeah. I think they have such massive revenue numbers and they have such massive growth that that they will eventually be the catalyst for the, a lot of the companies to go public. I mean, Zynga is the kind of company which can energize the IPO market.
0: They claim 250 million people actively playing their games every month. Yeah. Cityville, which I guess is a sequel to the very popular Farmville, attracts 90 million monthly users. Even the original poker game still got 35 million users. Um... Didn't Lady Gaga do a, a Gaga-ville that's like a part of Farmville? $400 million in profit on $850 million in revenue. They're valued at $10 billion right now, uh, but uh, they'll probably go off at a, even more than that. Wow. Do you think we're in Amazing. a bubble,
3: Ohm? No, no. I don't think, you know, to call it a bubble is not right now. You know, give it another 12 to 18 months, <laughs> and when you see more insanity, then right. we would be in, 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 in a bubble. Right now, I think what we are is, is an over, overheated investment environment, and it's investments in a certain kind of tech company. What you're seeing is you're hearing about these companies and these fundings so much more often than you used to in the past, and it gets amplified on Facebook and Twitter so quickly. So you start to believe that there is an actual bubble. There is a bubble at the lower end of the spectrum where new companies are getting funding. You know, if you look at LinkedIn, it's a pretty solid company. It's been around for yeah. almost 10 years. Yeah. I mean, just because it's the first new exciting technology IPO in a long, long time. So people are overpaying for it right now. And it's, you know, I do find its own Median. Right? Pe- like is what, it? It's pent up demand. It, there is, and I think bubble is when you start to see companies with absolutely no fundamentals right. start to go public, and you know everybody around you starts to talk about them. That's when you know things are incredibly crazy. Right now, market is extremely, extremely overheated. People are very excited. There's a lot of excitement going on in the valley. That is still doesn't reconcile with the overall economy right the overall economy is still pretty slow things are not going that well but you also have to remember there is because there is no other opportunity to invest in a lot more people are interested in investing in technology now right Mm -hmm. so everybody is putting their attention on technology that's why JP Morgan has, like, a fund for Twitter and social stuff and, you know, Goldman Sachs is investing in companies like Facebook. It's most, most of that is because there aren't that many growth opportunities elsewhere. The overall economy, to put it mildly, still sucks.
1: I just wonder what's going to happen to all these mobile companies, though, especially some of the mobile companies that have, you know, they've gotten a couple million dollars and they have sort of one hit wonders, you know, like one game that has done really well and then there's this pressure to come out with something else, but then there's obviously someone right on their heels. It just seems in the mobile space, particularly like Om said, with a lot of the, you know, some of the smaller companies that are, you know, you can get money just by having, you know, a decent idea on the mobile front and a game that you, Project will have some revenue, and you you see this all over the place right now.
0: But you know who's shown that you can do well with one hit is uh, Rovio with Angry Birds. I mean, that's really a one-game company. They've just sliced it and diced it so many great ways that 200 million downloads of, Mm -hmm. of Angry Birds...
1: And also the heist, uh, the new game that just came out yeah. from the creators of uh, Camera Plus. Uh, just, uh, I was reading an article where I think they're getting a download every second since they launched or something uh, astronomical. Which is, by the way,
0: why Lisa Betney no longer hosts our photo show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense.
0: <laughs> She's making a little too much money on the internet there. Uh, well, that's keeping her pretty busy.
3: I think the the thing Amber brought up a very good point. I think even Angry Birds is, you know, has to prove that it's like zynga it can take one hit game and create a franchise of multiple games and multiple revenue opportunities so i think this is you know we can't like the thing is if we could look into the future and predict it we'll all be billionaires right so we can't so right now what we have is anecdotal information and we're trying to project what's going to happen i just think it's going to be A little bit more frothy over next 12 months Mm
1: -hmm. and there's very little loyalty i find you know if all of a sudden a game developer has come out with one mobile game and it's really cool it's not as though you know i'm following what that developer is producing next time around so there's just not that loyalty there like there maybe were with some of the websites and you know 10 years ago a decade ago where people were bonded from sites and really latched on to the whole experience on the site people don't really know who's behind what game's coming out so i think that that's also a tougher sell long term
0: Well, if I were going to invest, it would be in Amazon. It would be in Zynga. Uh, I mean, there's definitely some companies that look strong. But uh, fortunately, I do not invest in tech stocks, and that's why I'm not broke right now. (laughs) Amber Amber MacArthur is at AmberMac.com. She's on the Twitter. She's on the tube. She's got the great CommandN.TV show. And she'll be back on Monday for the social hour with Sarah Lane.
1: Actually, we shot early this week, so it'll be uh, in in, a long weekend. So a week from uh, Monday, we'll be back on live.
0: What time do you do that show? 11 a.m.?
1: Yeah, 11 a.m. Pacific time on Mondays.
0: 2 p.m. Eastern, 1800 UTC, live.twit.net. TV. Om Malik is at GigaOm.com, and don't forget, he's got a great new newsletter, which you should all subscribe to, GigaOm.com slash Om-Says. You all must get a copy, because it's free, so why the hell not? More signal, less noise. Om, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Leo, for having me. Always a pleasure. And Patrick Beja, who is a, a star in his own right, you can find out more at Patrick, B-E-J-A dot com. He's not Patrick on Twitter, and uh, he's got many great podcasts, including the Phileas show available on the Internet. Thanks for being here, Patrick.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thank was, you all. It's always a great Always pleasure. fun. It's always fun.
0: Thank you all for being here. We have a new show about ham radio uh, that uh, just started last week, and is huge. Bob Heil, the guy who makes our mics and a ham in his own right does it. Uh, Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, let's see. I have to do my math. That's uh, right, at, right at, is that uh, 2,300 UTC, I think. 6 by 12 at 8 to 17. No, it's, one, it's a 0,100. Very early in the morning. And in a couple of weeks, they're going to start teaching me so I can get my ham license. It's called Ham Nation Tuesdays at live.twit.tv. Don't forget, we're selling the bricks. I want you to buy a brick for the Brick Twit House. Let me see if I can find that lower third. Bricks.twit.tv. You could be on our wall of honor in our new studio uh, for more information. I think it's $128 for the regular brick, which is like this. You can get two lines. You can put your name, your Twitter handle, whatever, your Facebook page, your website. And then if you want, you can also get a commemorative brick for your own home, (laughs) suitable for throwing through windows um, (laughs) at the EG8 forum. (laughs) Brick.twit.tv. Thank you for being here, everybody. We'll see you next time. Another twit is in the can.